This week's episode is brought to you by SketchWallet. SketchWallet is excited to announce that their brand new, beautifully made Canvas option is finally available and flying off their virtual shelves. Not sure what a SketchWallet is? Well, it's a high-quality, portable wallet for artists on the go, designed to carry a mini sketchpad, pencil, and other wallet items. Haven't seen the Canvas or classic leather SketchWallet yet? Head to sketchwallet.com tan to see all of their durable art supplies for creatives on the move. Again, that's sketchwallet.com T-A-N. This is the Animation Network. With this podcast, you get to tune in every week to hear top industry professionals in my network discussing network animation. Our goal here is to bring you effective tips, tricks, secrets, and practices for breaking into and navigating through the current landscape of TV animation. I'm your host, Chris Wimberly. Thanks for tuning into the network today. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Animation Network podcast. Today's episode is one to remember because I had the chance to sit down and talk with someone really amazing over at Nickelodeon. She shares some awesome advice on life and writing and if writing is something you've been thinking about pursuing then this episode is definitely for you. I have a feeling you guys are really going to enjoy this one so without further ado I bring you my episode with the wonderful Karen Kirkland. But yeah, everything looks good. Um, And I'm just going to jump straight into this. So we're here on another episode of our podcast today. And I'm so excited because we have an amazing person on and you guys are going to love her. So I don't want to take up too much time. I want to just like jump straight into it. Uh, So can you give us an introduction of who you are, what's your job title, where you work, all that fun stuff? Hi, Tiara. Hi. (laughs) My name is Karen Kirkland. I am the Vice President of Talent Development and Outreach at Nickelodeon. And I've been here for the past, it's almost 13 years. Really? Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh, man. It's funny because when I celebrated my, I thought at the time I was celebrating my 10th, and halfway through the day, I realized it was actually my 11th. Really? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was a crazy year. So, yeah, come uh, March, it'll be 13 years here at Nickelodeon. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into more about, like, your background. Mm. And so I know you started off as a producer, and you were just doing amazing things, winning all these awards. Um, so what kind of inspired you to go into the entertainment industry and was this something you always wanted to do? Did it just kind of like happen by chance? Well, I want to tell you, I'm going to share a little secret with you that I actually started off in the industry as an actor. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, I sang All I Want for Christmas are my two front teeth. And I think <laughs> at that point, um, you know, based on the applause that I got, I was probably sold, you know, <laughs> on the entertainment industry in general. Um, but I, upon graduating high school, I um, attended the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. You had to audition to get in. I was living uh, on the East Coast at the time. I'm originally from New Jersey. Me too. Are you where? I'm from Trenton. Oh, yes. Fellow New Jersey. Okay. (laughs) I'm about to go back tomorrow morning. Oh, nice. Spend time with my family. But I love Jersey. I mean, they don't call it the Garden State for nothing. Yeah. (laughs) It's beautiful there. Um, But I, um, I auditioned to get in. And I got in, which was great. And I ended up attending the American Academy, um, 
for a couple of years and then I ended up leaving because you couldn't be in school and have an agent at the same time. Oh. So I ended up um, and I ended up getting an agent um, and I ended up doing um, some off-Broadway stuff and then I ended up moving to Maryland and doing theater um, there. And I did theater for a couple years in Maryland uh, before I decided I wanted to venture off into TV and film. Mm-hmm. And that prompted a move to Los Angeles. So I packed up my apartment uh, into a U-Haul. Actually, it was a budget truck. U-Haul. <laughs> it's a budget truck. And um, at the time, I had this white Nissan Sentra, and I hooked it up to the back of that truck, and I drove cross-country. By yourself? Uh, with a friend. Okay. Actually, with a friend and, a cat, and my cat. Um, and I ended up, uh, here in Los Angeles on my birthday, actually, which was exciting. And my birthdays are still super important to me to this day. Um, and thus began, uh, the pursuit of a career as an actor, um, or an official, I was already an actor doing theater, but I wanted to become legit in television and film. Mm. Um, and I started off in commercials, actually, and I had some really great success uh, in commercial um, acting work, uh, getting commercial acting work. And it was, I, I was, I had a job uh, the, where I was working from midnight to 7 a.m. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I wanted to keep my days free for auditions. And um, so I would get off at 7 a.m. and I would come home and I would shower and go to sleep until I think like 10, 30, 11. And then I would get up and kind of make the rounds and, you know, you'd, you'd get variety and backstage and um, I'd send out headshots. You know, back then everything wasn't all digital like it is now. And um, I ended up landing a commercial agent. Um, and thus began my commercial career. And mm. I did that quite successfully for um, a time. And then I ended up landing a couple guest star spots um, on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, wow. Uh, played Will Smith's girlfriend. Oh, I, now I need to go back and watch it. I'm like, where is she? <laughs> and then um, I uh, did some other guest star. Where, uh, Robert Townsend had a show called The Parenthood, which is not The Parenthood that's, mm. that was most recently on, but it was quite some time ago and I did some guest star work on that and then I ended up landing um, a feature film the the female lead in a feature film that Gregory Hines was directing and by virtue of having the lead and then I got to see a lot of what was going on behind the scenes and that's when I sort of was like who's that person over there telling everybody what to do that needs to be me (laughs) I discovered it was the producer role I came back to LA a friend of mine a journalist friend came over and uh, he brought along with him a producer friend of his and he said, I know you want to get into producing. I thought this guy might be able to help you. And we struck up a conversation. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to help him produce what was then the Los Angeles Independent Film Festival. Oh. And I said, I don't know anything about film festivals, but sure, I'll help you. And three days into my helping him, he takes ill, bedridden ill, gives me the go on without me Oh no! phone call. And um, he's like, you'll be fine. I've already told them, you know, you're great. You'll be fine. And it turns out I was fine. Um, and I ended up producing the festival for the next six years after that. Yeah. It went from the Los Angeles Independent Film Festival to the Los Angeles Film Festival. It went from a four-day uh, festival to an 11-day festival. Oh, and wow. the last year I produced that was the first year that what was then IFP bought it. They're now fined Film Independent. Um, and then it was funny because after that first year, where he said, go on without me. 
um, after that festival was over, at that point, it took maybe two months to produce the festival from mm-hmm. beginning to end. And so after, after it was over, I then considered myself an expert in festivals. So I ended up going up to the Seattle Film Festival, and I was hanging out up there a couple months after that, that first festival. And I got a phone call from this same guy, and he said, listen, I want to make it up to you. I'm about to produce a music video. Do you want to help me? And mm-hmm. I said, again, I don't know much about music videos, but I'll help you. And uh, I was downtown L.A., 2 a.m., in a trailer when it was not cool to be downtown L.A. at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And um, in walks this guy, and he says, hey, I'm, a, uh, I'm just graduating from USC. I'm a director. I need a producer. I just signed with a production company. Oh, wow. I got my first uh, gig. Do you know anybody who's a producer? And I raised my hand. Yeah, oh, sure. Really? <laughs> I'm a producer. And uh, we exchanged numbers, and he ended up giving me a call about a month later, and thus began my music video producing career. And so for a while, for six years, I was producing both the Los Angeles Film Festival and I was producing music videos. Um, And then after six years, it just became a bit too much, so I had to choose one or the other, and I chose the music videos. Um, And I went on to produce commercials and music videos for 10 years, and my sister's husband passed away in a car accident when she was eight months pregnant. Oh, wow, yeah, sorry. So I sold my house here, and I moved back to New Jersey. And I took care of my sister through the rest of her pregnancy, and I saw my niece for the first year of her life. And then I came back to L.A., and I went back to producing for a short bit. Um, and that's when I got the phone call about the Nickelodeon writing program. And oh. that was 13 years ago. Wow. Well, that's, that's perfect. a long story. No, but it's like, I had no idea that you started off as an actor. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. But, you know, it makes sense when you're kind of looking over it because I feel like a lot of people kind of start within their industry a different way. And you kind of see it from that side. And you're like, oh, okay, now I see there's kind of more to it. You know, I can be in this role and kind of handle this side of things. And now I see how it's affecting, you know, A, B, and C. Yeah, and that's what makes it so interesting when it comes to the job that you're actually doing right now. Yeah. Right? It's very layered. It's very complex in terms of how you got to where you're going. But everything that I've done up until this point has served me so well mm-hmm. in the work that I do in developing writers within the Nickelodeon writing program, even my acting background. Yeah. <laughs> well, that. A perfect segue into my next question for you was, so you get this phone call. What motivated you to take the position? Were you already interested in writing? How did you kind of well, come to this spot? I, you know, everything that I've done between the acting and the producing um, is always, it's a very, it's, those are both very creative. And even when I was a producer, I was a creative producer. So mm-hmm. I was in the editing bay um, you know, going over the cuts. I was um, at the telecine sessions doing color correction. Um, I was in the Flame Bay in the Henry Bay with the editors, you know, helping to make the creative calls on that. Um, so writing is something that comes naturally to me. And interestingly enough, if you noticed any kind of uh, through line in the story that I was telling, I was always open to new opportunity mm-hmm. you know I don't know much about film festivals but I'll help you I don't know much about music videos but I'll help you and by virtue of just being open it offered opportunity um, and um, challenges and change in ways that I couldn't have foreseen a and could not even ha- have constructed for myself really um, so when the phone call came for Nickelodeon, it was just another opportunity for me to say yes and. Hmm. 
and I ended up interviewing because uh, it was a friend, and that's how a lot of the gigs are gotten in the industry, yeah. right? A friend of a friend of a friend, and so I didn't even know the person that actually offered me the job. I, I didn't know them intimately, you know, or really well. I knew them through a friend of a friend, and he had known he was working here at Nickelodeon. He knew the work that I had done as a producer. Um, felt that the program from a creative side could use someone that had my background and then certainly from a infrastructure and formatting standpoint could use somebody who had some producing experience and so everything that I had done up until that point just sort of served a purpose um, and really served the idea of um, building something or repurposing something um, that was somewhat floundering and hadn't had much success up to that point. So when I interviewed, um, I interviewed with uh, a couple of executives here at Nickelodeon at the time. They were they were here at the time, and I ended up getting the gig. And what made me? You said what was your question? <laughs> well, yeah. What inspired you to kind of say yes? <laughs> I, you know, that's the thing. Um, I don't know that if I was inspired to say yes per se, more so than I was just open to opportunity mm. where opportunity presented itself. And I think a lot of times um, in one's career, especially when you're a lot younger, um, it's really difficult to figure out what you're supposed to do next and how you're supposed to navigate a career. And I think you're, you know, there's this um, misconception that you're supposed to have it all figured out already. Mm-hmm. And I never, and still don't, um, agree with that. <laughs> I think that uh, opportunity a lot of times great opportunity will come when you least expect it. I think I have found the majority of my success on the other side of comfort. Hmm. So getting out of your own way and sometimes being uncomfortable can lead you to the most magnificent successes. Oh, okay. No, that's that's a great way to put it because I've always kind of viewed it that way myself. Mm where it's just like, you know, at that moment, you might not have everything figured out, but it's like, hey, there's this opportunity here. Sure, why not? Who knows where it's going to lead you next? Yeah. So. I'm a huge yeah. believer and you just you put it out there. You elevate your thinking, you take action, and I just feel like the universe just makes room for the new you. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. So now that you've had a chance to, you know, work with the writer's program and get to see how it's changed since you've started, what are some of those changes that you've noticed that, you know, when you first started, it was like this, and now we've kind of ended up here, and what are you proud about in those changes? Or what's your proudest moment that's yeah. happened? Well, there's a, there's a lot that's certainly changed. I mean, the landscape of the industry has changed somewhat, um, which has caused the writing program to have to shift um, in order to keep up. Um, I think the biggest thing is there's now much more staffing success mm. within the context of the of the program and the writers that come out of the program than there has ever been. Um, obviously, part of that is just history itself, you know, or time. Um, the more time that goes by, the more writers come through the program, and those writers be, the, become more and more successful as days go by, as weeks, days, years go by. Um, So I'm really proud of the infrastructure that I've been able to implement. Um, I'm really proud of the curriculum that I've been able Mm -hmm. to 
implement. And and just FYI, when I say I've been able to, it's me plus five, six other people yeah, right, on course. my team. <laughs> it's, you know, the I is a collective we um, because I'm not doing any of it alone. Uh, it's very much a collaborative effort. I have an amazing team of people, um, small but mighty, right, that help on a day-to-day basis that have just as much passion, um, just as much vision, um, are super collaborative, very talented in and of themselves. And um, they really, they, we, we care about the talent that comes through the program. I care about um, having a program that is truly going to be helpful um, and supportive to a writer, not something that just you know, they just show up and they don't do anything. They have to they have to come prepared and willing yeah. and ready to work because it is it's a it's a boot camp. Yeah. You know, it's a year long boot camp and um, it's exhausting in all the great ways that it can be exhausting. Um, and the writers certainly learn a lot as a result. But I would have to say that I'm, I'm most proud of the, the talent mm. that has come out of it. And um I'm just, you know, I'm lucky to have played any part in the success of the writer. Oh, that's awesome. So you were saying that uh, the program is also like a boot camp. Um, And I was wondering, what do you look for in kind of like an ideal candidate who would apply for the program? Because I know we have a few people who are interested and have been looking into the program, but they're not really sure kind of what it is that you guys are looking for or you know what they should know what are some do's and don'ts for people who are applying who are like you know applying to a program like this is completely new to them and they kind of don't know where to start yeah that's a good question I think I've tried to make it as clear as possible on the website so I feel like that's the the very first place you need to start at Mm nickwriting.com right there you'll find uh, the writer will find an accepted shows list they'll find a bunch of stuff they'll find FAQs right so if they have any questions they can just click on the FAQs and everything's answered for them Um, they'll find a way to contact us if some for some reason there is a question that they have that's not covered in the FAQs they'll find a way to sign up for the mailing list so that they can stay up to date and current with everything that we have going on they can find um, submission guidelines, which gives them step by step in terms of what they need to do, how they need to do it, when they need to do it, right? <laughs> right. what to do it with, all that great stuff. They'll find also an accepted shows list. And I think the very first thing they should do uh, after going to nickwriting.com is look at that accepted shows list and figure out of the 40 odd specs or, or 40 odd shows that are on that list, which show best suits their sensibilities and their mm-hmm. writing style. Um, this new this year, we've added a preschool track. Oh, okay. So um, in addition to Nickelodeon, there's also a Nick Jr. preschool track um, on that accepted shows list. And some of those, I think people will be surprised mm-hmm. that some of the shows on the preschool <laughs> list are half-hour adult comedies. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Um, and I think they'll be surprised with the list in general, the the, the general track list, um, just because not everything on there is, the, the program is both live action and anima- animation. So uh, not everything on the accepted shows list is an animated show. 
Hmm. Interestingly enough, there aren't any Nickelodeon shows oh. on the list at all. Is that on purpose? That's on purpose. Okay. Yeah, it's on <laughs> purpose because when you, after you submit, it's a blind submission process. Um, so you become a number once you upload your materials. And, and eventually your material is going to get read by someone here in the studio that works on all of our shows, right? So whether it's a writer, um, a creator, a showrunner, right? Mm. It's going to get read by someone who works on SpongeBob or someone who works on Nicky Ricky or the Thundermans. And um, we want to give you the best opportunity possible to have someone read your work and evaluate your work um, based on a show that they love to watch for mm. fun and for relaxation as opposed to having them read your material and it's a show that they actually work on. And it's a show that they know so well. Obviously, yeah. they'll know that show much better than the writer who's applying will know it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's intentional for mm. sure that we don't have any Nickelodeon shows on the list. Okay. But there's a good smattering. There's some kid stuff. There's some adult stuff. There's animation. There's live action. Yeah. So and that, it sounds like a good mix. It is. And there's some family comedies on there. There's some more edgy stuff for those that have a little bit of a more edgy tone to their writing. Okay. So what about those beginner writers who they're like, okay, I'm interested in writing. I want to jump into this, but I have no idea where to start. It's and then you know there's already so much online and can, can be a little overwhelming so kind of coming from your position of you've worked with a lot of writers uh do you have any tips for people who are just kind of starting out into this world of writing for tv <laughs> you know me i'm the i don't know much about that but i'll do yeah. that <laughs> um i would say that you need to read some books there's a great one uh, that i just recommended yesterday actually um it's by this author um, Evan C. Smith, and it's called Writing Writing Television Sitcoms, mm. I think it is, or Writing TV Sitcoms or Writing Television Sitcoms. Um, I think that's an amazing book um, for a writer who's just starting out that wants to write for television, for sure. Um, and you need to take some classes, mm. right? Some workshops or some classes um, where you can learn the basics of writing. Um, I know UCLA has a really great um, extension class um, for writers. And you need to um, write. You know, a lot <laughs> it's a big one. <laughs> that's a big one, right? And I know a lot of times people just, they want to wait to get it right. They're like, oh, I don't want to start yet because I need to get it right. The only, it's like going to the gym, as mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier. Yes, of course. <laughs> You know, the only way to exercise those muscles is to actually get in the gym and actually start doing it or get out and go for a run or start exercising, right? And the muscle then becomes engaged. It's the same thing with writing. In order to engage those muscles, you actually have to write. And initially, some of the stuff that you write is not going to be good, and that's okay, right? But the idea is to write and read and research and educate yourself mm. as much as possible so that one day you'll be better than you were the next, and the next day you're better than yeah. you were the next. Um, and a lot of that happens within the context of the writing program too. When, you know, when the writer comes in on the very first day, the very first thing that happens is they get notes from me oh. on the script that they submitted into the program. And a lot of times, and, and when you talk to Jeff, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. he's gonna expound upon this, but a lot of times they're, I see the stricken look on their face. Well, what do you mean? How did I get into the program if you're now about to get, give me notes? And, um, you know, so they get better over a course of time. 
And they are very, very different in terms of their writing ability from the time they get into the mm. program until the time they leave the program. Now, with all that being said, the right the program's not a um, a training ground. We're okay. not going to we're not going to teach you how to write. It's more of a development program. We're going mm -hmm. to develop the skill sets that you already have. Um, we get over two thousand submissions, so uh, and we only have four spots: three for domestic and one for an international writer. Mm. I didn't mention that, did I? That the program's a global program. I, yeah, writers yeah. from all over the world can apply. Um, so we get about a little over 2,000 submissions right now, which is not even a lot um, compared to some of the other uh, writing programs out there. That's the other thing your listeners should do. They should be, they should Google writing programs, writing fellowships, writing contests, and whatever pops up, they should, if, if um, it falls within the parameters of their voice, they should be applying to those mm different programs and contests, and if they have the material, obviously. So the other thing that they, and this is a long answer, I guess I'm no, no, sorry. No, <laughs> no, totally fine. <laughs> is that they should be um, really beefing up their portfolios, because mm. obviously you can't apply to any of these programs without something in your portfolio, whether that be a couple of specs, a couple of pilots, you have a couple sketch packets, you have short stories, webisodes, plays, whatever it is. Um, but you need to start off with at least one or two specs and at least one pilot. Um, and then you just keep writing from there until you get better and you get better. You have to, um, you have to get feedback from pr preferably working professionals in the industry, feedback on your material so that you can get some constructive feedback, take what you will, apply what you will, make the work better, learn from that feedback, and then move forward from there mm, okay so and since you brought up portfolio that kind of reminds me to ask um when it comes to writing a script for an animated show versus a live action show is there a big difference between the two or is it like you know the foundations are the same and you just kind of change it up or you have to keep this in mind when you're writing for animation well the foundations are the same relative to good storytelling is good storytelling mm -hmm. strong characters I ident really identifiable and relatable characters are the same throughout there are differences as it relates to structure and format within the context of the script itself um, but when thinking about story um, for live action you know, there's a lot uh, that's that's focused around the dialogue when you're writing the script, as opposed to an animation. It's more focused on the action. Oh, right. Okay. So visually, when you're looking at a live action script versus an animated uh, script for an animated show, you can there are definitely visual differences. There are so also differences within um, the length of time that you have to tell the story hmm. for a live action show uh, for Nickelodeon. Our shows are usually uh, somewhere around 21, 22 minutes. Right, which could translate easily into about you know, 34, 35 pages on average, where for an animated an animation show, um, you're talking an 11 minute episode, right? It's usually two 11 minute episodes that make up the half hour block. There's usually a commercial break in between and usually the first episode has nothing to do with the second episode. Right. So the script could be, depending upon how fastly paced the show is, you know, if the show is like a show that's edited, has really quick edits and cuts, then the script may be a little bit longer. But on average, for an 11-minute animated show, we're talking about 18 pages. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. 
But in terms of storytelling, you need, you know, there's always an inciting incident, whether it's live action or animation. There is always uh, the character having a reaction to that inciting incident, right? Usually based in emotion because emotion drives action. Yes. Um, and there's always a choice that the protagonist will make in relation to that inciting incident um, based on his or her reaction. So those things are fundamental, whether you're writing for live action or animation. But when it comes to the, the actual writing of the script, you will find way more dialogue in a live action script than you will in an animated script. In the animated script, you'll find more action. Oh, okay. It's good to know. Mm -hmm. I had no idea because usually we're working from outlines with a lot of our shows at Cartoon Network. They're board board driven. driven. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So getting to hear about how the scripts are looking in comparison to that is pretty Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, um, on board driven shows, you guys aren't even doing scripts. Yeah. Right. So we have both board driven and script driven shows, animated shows here at Nick. So Mm -hmm. for our board driven shows, I'm sure they're very similar to the other board driven uh, shows you've seen in terms of they're just primarily an outline. Yeah. Right. They're never going to that script phase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for the people who are in your program and, you know, they go through this whole process and they kind of learn how to like tighten up their skills and get to a level where it's like, okay, we're letting you go. You're on your own. Um, What are two things that you hope they take away from the program with them? That once they finish up, it's like, if you're going to take something away from this, okay, at least know this or keep this in mind as you're working on your next project, your next gig, whatever it is. Yeah, (laughs) I'm very big on process. I mean, even if you look at my Twitter banner, it says forget the goal and commit to the process. So I'm very big on process. So they absolutely need to walk away with, look, I'm getting loud and all <laughs> <laughs> loud about it. But they need to, um, and, I, and I'll say this for every writer out there, you know, you cannot write a first draft without first having written an outline. Mm. And you can't write an outline without first having written a premise. Now you can do that, you can write a first draft. Um, chances are it's not going to be very good. So when we think about process, once you've come up with that nugget of an idea, you need to first create um, a premise, a half page, one page tops premise, 12 point font, right? Mm. That um, gives the overall gist of what the story will be from beginning, middle and end. Not details, just the overall gist. And then you need to go to a beat sheet after that, right? Where you where you um, can sit and figure out what each of the beats and each of the scenes will look like. Then from there, you need to move to an outline, which is usually somewhere around for a live action show about a six page document. And it's oh, okay. basically laying out, that's where your slug lines come in. We, you know, we know your scene headings, we know exactly where you are, who's in the scene, what are they doing. And you're basically um, expanding on those sparse beats that you laid out in the beat sheet. And then in outline, and I always suggest to writers, and I think many of them rarely ever do this, but I suggest that instead of waiting to get notes in a first draft, you actually get notes in your outline. Mm. Because with outline is queen. Without yeah. a, a solid outline, there's you should not be moving to first draft. A lot of times people move to first draft or they'll just skip over the outline altogether and then they find themselves in first draft trying to work out the kinks of the story, mm. you know, trying to move scenes around and they, they can't figure out why it's not working. Yeah. If you had started, if you had had an outline and gotten notes and feedback on that outline, you would have saw, you would have seen where the holes in your episode 
happened to be, you'd have been able to fill them or you would have seen where, oh, this scene doesn't work here. We're not really learning anything new in this particular scene or it's not moving the story forward. So I can actually get rid of that scene. Um, But all that needs to happen in an outline. And it's not until you have a solid outline should you be moving to first draft. And then really, once you do have a a solid outline, the first draft will write itself. Okay. Practically. Oh. So having kind of like the big picture kind of figured out, knowing where you're going, having like a sense of direction, basically. Right. But for the tools that they need to walk away with, they know it's a no-no. Like the I'm the KK police is coming after them <laughs> if, if they try to write a first draft without first having done a premise and an outline. Okay. Yeah. Thing, things so to remember. Premise, uh, beat sheet, outline, first draft. And then you go to second draft, then third. And then final, and you do, you know, what do you do after that? You stop. Like, that's it. Don't I was going to say, do you just heck. put it away? You put it away. <laughs> you, it becomes now part of your portfolio. And you mm. move on to the next idea. I'm sure, you know, your audience, they have, the, you know, as writers, they have tons of amazing ideas. Right. right. So you want to move on to that next idea. One of the other big mistakes writers make is they will edit the heck out of a script, all for the sake of saying they're writing. Mm. Right. So once you've um, had your first draft, you've gotten, you can get some notes on that. Second draft, third draft, you do that final, that last punch up. It's a final draft and that's it. Okay. Move on. Put it away, move on. Yeah, I don't care if you, the <laughs> show does an episode where it's similar to yours or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, move on. Good advice. Yeah. And I agree, because I know there's always like the tendency, you're like, well, let me just fix this mm-hmm. and I can just tweak this. It's like the canvas is always wet and it's like, no, just put it away. Let it Move dry. on to the next. Yeah, let it dry. Hang it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> now we have like a, a better idea of kind of what you guys do at the program, what's expected once you're done. So now that we've talked all about that, I want to learn more about you. He and gets. yeah, we're finally here. <laughs> Get to know all your secrets. Um, so what sort of things do you do outside of work that kind of keeps your creative energy fresh? Because I'm sure you're coming in and you seem like you're incredibly busy. So how do you like, keep the energy to keep going? What are you doing outside of work that's keeping you like at the top of your game and just ready to go once you come in? Do I seem like I'm busy? I don't no. want to seem like, I mean, I am busy, <laughs> but I don't want to seem like I'm busy. You know, one of my goals, because I, I think people wear that as a badge of honor mm. and I don't want that. Oh, okay. No, when you know when it comes time to talk to you, I want to be present here with you. And you know, one of the things I've tried to do myself, even in the hallway, when you know when we're walking around the studio and we see people, you know, the very first thing I think just by default, people, oh, I'm so busy, and yeah. so I've stopped <laughs> saying that, and I've yeah. sort of taken on more of a. Um, you know, my life is perfectly balanced in every way. How about you? How are you doing? <laughs> you know, I need to start doing that. <laughs> well, it takes work. I will say it takes effort because, you know, we're programmed and yeah. myself included. So usually I have to stop and think about what is my response going to be rather than just giving the knee jerk mm. response of, oh, my gosh, we're so busy. Um, yeah, I really want I want to be more present and more accountable mm. um, in my day. Because time is our most valuable, non-renewable resource. And it seems to be going by pretty quickly. (laughs) I know. Losing track of it all the time. Losing track. And so I feel like one of the reasons, you know, when we're younger, when we're we're, we're kids, we're six and seven years old, and, 
who time who cares about time? nobody yeah. even thought about time and i think it was because we're just so present yeah you know we're so present in every moment and you're always we're learning something new and you're just connected to friends and family and um i want to get some of that back and i think time seems to be fleeting because we're not in the present moment. Mm. So I'm hoping I'm not seeming too busy right now. No, no, you're <laughs> definitely here. I've been having a great time. Good, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad. But I, you know, reading is huge, to answer your question, reading, um, I love to read. I'm the weirdo that will be, yes, in a bookstore. I know I could order it online, but <laughs> I'm the, the weirdo, same. it's not the same. <laughs> um, you know, I love to kind of uh, rummage around um, bookstores and um, I love to read. I'm reading a really great book right now. Um, it's an old book, actually, um, called Psycho-Cybernetics. Mm. And um, it's just about, you know, this idea of creating for yourself, envisioning for yourself the success, right, that you mm. so, we so often talk about. Um, and it can show up in various forms, right? Success is different for everybody. But being able to elevate your conscious thinking to the point where you can bring that into your life. Um, so that's really interesting. It's, re it's really heavy, right? So uh, I have to sort of pace my way through that book. Um, I just most recently reread um, um, Anne Lamont's uh, Bird by Bird. Mm, I don't think I've heard of that one. It's a really great book. Oh. Uh, I'll have to show you when we're all, uh, when we're not talking. but. Um, that and it's not a book. It's it's sort of that book is. It's not a how to write book. It's more about if you're a writer, how to live your life. Oh yeah, and let go of expectations and this need to uh, you know of wanting praise and but to do the work. You know, mm -hmm. focus on the work. And again, going back to what I was saying earlier, just about I'm a big, you know, focusing on the process type gal. Mm -hmm. um, that book really resonates with me. And I actually give that book as a gift to uh, each of the writers that's uh, when they start the program. Oh, nice. Yeah, cause I think it's a great way um, to start the year off. Um, so I do a lot of that. I do a lot of hiking. Um, going on, not really hiking. I take that back because hiking means you're going uphill. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I do. I take a lot of long walks. <laughs> um, there's a lot, you know, I'm, I'm a very heady person and I like to think a lot and I'm a creative person. So there's always something new on the agenda. I just um, recently, um, or I spent the last year, I should say, creating The Break. Oh, okay. Yeah, B-R-E-A-K-K. It's a uh, three-day retreat in Palm Springs for female uh, television writers. And we just held our first retreat, or I just had our first retreat uh, October. And so mm -hmm. now I'm excitedly working on the second annual um, break, which is going to happen in uh, October of 2018. Oh, okay, uh, that's exciting. It's very exciting. And so it was something that I wanted to do for a really long time to give back um, to writers, just to be of service. And everything kept getting in the way, going back to that, oh, we're so busy yeah. syndrome. Um, and so I've spent the last year uh, just really working on that and building a presence for that and creating content um, around that. Um, mm -hmm. And your listeners, if they are interested, they can find out about it at thebreak.com. It's T-H-E-B as in boy, R-E-A-K-K.com. Okay. K-K for 
character. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to include a link when we post this. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it was really great to see the love and the connectivity and the community and the talent that came out for the first annual was just amazing. And um, it was nice to see something that I personally created from the ground up or a vision that I personally had um, to see that come to fruition and to see so many wonderful, talented females, uh, female writers just buy into that vision and just completely be on board. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the second annual for sure. And uh, tickets will go on sale on my birthday. Oh, that's nice. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look out for that. And yeah. is this something that'll always be in the fall or? I you think see so. it expanding to like fall and summer? I, I need some people. I need your audience to tell me. I don't know. I, th I think that um, eventually I want to do a co-ed one. Okay. Um, which maybe will be spring-ish and then still keep the fall one um, just for women. But I'm working it all out. But see, that's what I'm saying. You don't yeah. have to have the answers, right? I'm figuring it out as I go along, right? I'm taking, yes, risks, but they're calculated risks. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. But I think... For this next one, the second one, it will be in the fall. Okay. Um, so now that we know what you kind of do outside of work, I'm also a big reader too. So Are you? Yes. Yeah, so I just love just curling up with a good book you know at the what's end of a the good day. One if you're a big reader, um, or uh, Self Made by Nellie Galan. Oh, I don't think yeah, I've heard of that one. I went one. to the Bentonville Film Festival earlier this year, and she was a speaker there. And um, she was during the workshop at the end of the workshop she gave out gave out her book and she mm -hmm. signed her books um but i just read it and it's it's a relatively easy read but it's super impactful in mm. terms of the content it's called self-made okay i'm gonna look that up yeah i'm always looking for new books to add to my list um so when you come into work what also inspires you to kind of bring passion to your job every day because you also have the break which kind of seems like it's like a passion project already but i'm wondering if there's anything else that when you come in here, just like so motivated to keep pushing. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, the break is a passion project, but it stems or it still is in the wheelhouse of what I do every day, which is developing writers. Right. right. And so that's I'm a passionate person in general. But the p thing that makes me the most passionate is just this idea of being able to develop writing talent and see writers succeed and get that first staff gig and you know create their own shows we've had writers that have come through the program that have created their own shows that's amazing you know um and we have writers who they've created their shows for, shows for nickelodeon they've created shows for fox for abc um for amazon and I get excited about seeing them at the very beginning of their journey, right? And knowing where this is going to go for them. I, that excites me. Yeah. Like sometimes even being able to see the stuff that they can't yet see, right? Because they're in the muck and mire of it all. Um, and sort of being able to, it was what we were talking about earlier yeah. right before we started the podcast, is in terms of being able to step back and watch them on this amazing journey. And it's a lot of work for them, obviously, because they're in it. But um, I can see the potential, and then obviously I get to celebrate with them um, when they get the win. So that's really exciting. And it's funny, the, <laughs> the writers in the program, they know. When they come in for a note session, my arms are flailing. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I get up and I'm walking around and like my voice gets loud. I just love talking story. To sit all day, every day, and be able to talk story 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> that I would consider heaven. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also just great to see that you are so passionate about it because that's the type of person you would want to lead a program like this because Thank you. It, I feel like it trickles down. So when the writers see you're so excited, that can only just motivate them and make them want to, you know, work harder and really kind of push themselves to their limits. So yeah. I'm sure it's great having you as Thank the head you. of the program. I'm jealous. Got to work my way into it one day. Sometimes, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I do love it. And it's funny because I don't know that the writers, when they're getting the notes, if they love it per se. <laughs> I have three note sessions this afternoon, actually. And, um, you know, as I'm giving the writers notes, I, you know, they seem to be okay with it. But who knows what happens when they go back to their desk? They may be cursing me. <laughs> Well, they'll look back on it like, you know, I'm glad I got those notes. So um, we're coming up to the end, which is speaking of time. It kind of mm. like just flew by. It sure did. So I was wondering if you have any questions for me or any last um, pieces of advice you'd like to share. And also, how can we keep in touch with you if people want to reach out to you and just get in contact? Uh, well, you can reach out to, that's an easy one. Um, I'm very, very vocal on Twitter. I love that platform. I hope nothing ever happens to it <laughs> yeah. because it's just so easy to communicate um, with people, with a lot of people um, and sound bites, which I like. Um, they can find me on Twitter at Karen Kirkland. Um, and you, they can find me on Instagram at Karen underscore Kirkland. Um, a parting piece of guidance would be probably be um, I think so many people need to have the answers prior to starting the journey and there's that Martin Luther King quote um, I'm going to butcher it I know but it basically is you don't have to see the whole staircase in order to take the first step mm. and those aren't my words but they are for sure words that I live by and if I could relay anything I think it would be that, that if there's something that's burning inside of you, if there's a passion, uh, if you can't see yourself doing anything else, then you just have to take that first step and the rest will unfold. And sometimes it's mm -hmm. not a straight path. You know, I mean, I, at the top of the podcast talked about, I first started off as an actor, yeah. you know, and then becoming a producer. And now I think it's about being open and flexible um, recognizing opportunity when it comes your way and being prepared. Hmm. That's a Shakespeare quote, actually. Success happens when opportunity meets preparation. Boom. Drop the mic. Yeah. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see any other way to end it other than that. But no, that's, that's really great to hear and definitely fitting because I feel like especially around this time, people are starting projects or they want to start a lot of new things mm -hmm. and you know with holidays coming up it sort of feels like the perfect time to do it because you have some downtime and a lot of people are just afraid to start and they don't know where they're going to go next or where it's going to take them so it can kind of seem pretty scary to take that first step into this kind of unknown so knowing that you can just go for it have faith and see what happens is de i don't know it's definitely hitting home for me Good, i'm glad <laughs> So uh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll post all the links so people can find your Twitter, the break, and the writer's program. Um, but thank you again for so much for being on the podcast with me and letting me share this moment with you. Um, and I think that's it for today.
Thanks, Tiara. Yeah, thank you. Bye. As I said in the beginning, this episode is filled with so many great pieces of information. And Karen has such a positive outlook on everything. I'm just so glad she was able to share some of that with us today. Remember to have an open mind to new opportunities, even if you don't feel quite ready yet. You might amaze yourself by what you're able to do once you're actually there. So stay positive, you guys. And I'm sure this episode will become one that many will refer back to as they're moving along on their own journeys. I know I will. But if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to rate, review, and share it. Spread it as far and as wide as you can. And also check out the links that we've included for this episode in case you want to learn more about the writer's program, about the break. And also if you want to get in contact with Karen, we'll have our Twitter handle down there as well. But as always, thanks so much for tuning into and being a part of the Animation Network. Mm -hmm.